Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your returning director of fun and games for the evening. Thank God. Man, what is... <laughs> <laughs> I loved the show last week. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well. I'm going to was... get paid for it. I wasn't on it. It was yeah. stupendous. <laughs> no, I think, I thought Kelly did a, a great job in the, uh, in the host seat. It's, listen, it seems easy. And mm-hmm. it is. Uh, <laughs> it's really not, though. It's really yeah. not. Like, you make it seem easy, but, like, I I really want people to understand how difficult it is to do what you do. Well, it's good. For this show and on radio. You know, for a, for a long, long time, it was pretty easy, because at least this team kept it interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to bullshit here, folks. They're not anymore. No. I mean, they go to overtime. I guess three on three is interesting. It, it used to be more interesting. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Let's get right into it. Let's lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Since the flyers are boring, I'm going to ask you guys a personal question. All right. This time of year, this this comes up for me. Do you find it difficult to receive gifts from people? Or am I just a fucked up person? I mean, yes, I know the answer to that question. I, I also, personally do not find it difficult to receive <laughs> gifts from people. I find it very nice. It's, it's a nice gesture. Uh, if it's an unexpected gift, and then I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, fuck. I didn't get you shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, like you know, it's, it, it depends on like my relationship with that person, I would say. My best friend gave me a gift over the weekend. And my response to her, which I've been thinking about for a couple of days because of how inappropriate it was, because I am a disaster of a human being, was, oh, no, I know how much this costs. Why did you buy this for me? That's And, like, something, like, expensive, <laughs> like, over the top that you're like, like, I would not have, I would not have not even spent this on myself. what you're supposed to say to a person <laughs> who buys you a gift. Anyway, I was just curious if anyone else is a disaster of a person. I kind of knew that you guys were normal, but. I find it difficult anyway. to to accept compliments, but oh god, don't even. But don't, gifts? Don't. No, I mean, if you want to buy me a gift, that's cool. It's <laughs> your money. You. It's your money. It's not mine. <laughs> I approach gift there giving go, the Chuck. same way that we approach like the Philadelphia Phillies, where it's like, well, you know, the contract might be bad in ten years. I don't care. It's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> and that is coming from our resident Ivy Leaguer. Charlie O'Connor. And <laughs> see about that whole compliments thing. There you go. Again, horrifying. Um, I. It's honestly, I. It's the only note I have about today's show because you mentioned it last week, and I was like, I have to bring it up. Obviously, gotta roast Charlie. I have. You did. There was no like rhubarb password or anything, <laughs> so I had. I had to make it known that I listened. Beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, I think the thing that's just stuck in my head right now is like I don't know what else to talk about about this hockey team because like they're just bad. And it's not like you can even really get mad at them because it's not like they're not trying. Like they're really trying hard. They're in these games. It's just when push comes to shove, they're just bad and the teams they're playing are just better than them. So like they they get it close enough. And, and like the Arizona game's a little bit different because Arizona actually is also really bad. That one was probably just like a coin flip. Yeah. But like they play against teams like Vegas and they play honestly pretty well. Like they controlled a lot of that game. Vegas is a much more talented, much better team than the Flyers. Then they get to overtime, and it's like, oh, the only way the Flyers can control possession is to have two defensemen on the ice, and if they do that, then the already minuscule chances of them scoring a goal are now completely zero because they have two defensemen on the ice, and, like, one of them is Rasmus Ristolainen. So, (laughs) I mean, although I will say, like, love love the fact that he's getting overtime ice time because it helps my chances of winning the bet <laughs> still outstanding by the way Ni- neither defenseman has scored yet so the risto braun bet is still going that said like this team just isn't good they can't score they don't have the talent and it's not rocket science like we all can look at a roster and see that the problem is they don't have the talent and that talent isn't coming at least not this year so this is just going to keep happening we're going to have to find a way to make this podcast good. I, it's, uh, well, that's the thing is what I want to talk about now. Like, we, there's one thing to get mad at, but it's the thing we've been mad at for like 18 months. So it's, it's very difficult. But since I wasn't here last week, I know these are old quotes at this point, but I want to get my two cents in. And since I am back in the host seat, I get to do that. I really just have to pose a question to some of the logic applied and it's not you guys logic it's the buffoon who runs the team uh and once again very good job handling this show without me because it was actually like some interesting shit to be talked about uh with the chuck fletcher press availability if chuck is concerned about preserving his job and that's what he's doing with the whole i expect to be more competitive five points out of the wild card all that bullshit Isn't that ass backwards because they're not gonna be? Like, if he actually had a, like, logical thought, he would be like, oh yeah, it is a rebuild. You know, because that's what it looks like. And at least you could sell the truth to somebody. But if you just go out and say, oh no, actually, we're way better. We're five points out of the wild card. What are you looking at? And everybody with at least one working eye Not even a set of eyes. A single working eye can watch this team and go, they're horrible. How does that work in preserving his job? Well, I I think I went into it on on the show last week, but I'll go into it again. The reason is, is because Chuck's whole justification for keeping the job is that a rebuild isn't necessary because this team is actually a lot better than people think. And the minute that he publicly accepts that no, we suck and we have to rebuild because things are just that bad, then then suddenly the only reason for him to still have the job is gone because they can hire somebody else to do a rebuild. This is the, we've reached the final throes of Chuck Fletcher's plan. 
and everybody like, pretty much knows it's not going to work. But like they're not quite ready to fully close the door on it, and until they fully close the door, he's going to keep his job. I like I get your reason. I'm not arguing with you because you're like what you're saying is correct. It's just that if the results say one thing, and he continually goes, "Oh, but no." Like, he just looks disconnected from reality. Yeah, of course he looks I, disconnected. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know ownership doesn't want to rebuild, and so he's telling them what they want to hear, and ultimately it's the people above him even that are a problem. That's why they haven't won a cup in 50 years or 48 or whatever the hell it's been. But it just seems so ass-backwards to go out and just say... And, like, you know, obviously they're further out now. But, oh, we're, we're five out of a wild card. Okay, you're also five out of last. Yeah, like, this yeah. is the argument that stats you can make say anything you want when he said it. Because yeah. you look at the standings and go, yes, they're also five ahead of Columbus, who haven't won in a month. Like, except for against the Flyers. So, like, I just, I can't even, I, I often say... Even if I don't agree with you, if I can see your logic, I can at least go, all right. You know, that's a plan. But it just keeps... The evidence keeps piling up like the huge pile of shit in Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) That there's no plan, at least one rooted in any sort of logic and reason and reality. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world, but we all know this. Like, I'm not yelling at any of you. You know this. Every single listener knows it because you're all not stupid as hell. But it's what we're being told. And there's no way he believes it. Well, that's because he's. There's like no way he Charlie believes. said, he went to an Ivy League school. He's not a fucking moron, at least, like, in, maybe in terms of hockey decisions, but he knows what reality is, I assume. He's not stuck in an acid trip. Like theoretically, no. There, there is like a two percent chance that Chuck Fletcher does not know that like this team just doesn't have enough talent, and they don't have a clear path to getting that talent unless they bottom out and have high drivers for a few years. Like, there's no way he doesn't I, know because he he basically admitted it last January. Like, he I said I, it. I gave him a line of questioning where I essentially said like, "So you said you need high end talent." You get high in talent at the draft. Does that mean you have to? You believe the team should bottom out to get the high in talent? And he basically was like, "Well, yes, you're right. You do get high in talent through the draft, and usually those picks happen in the first five picks. But we're not going to do that. Like, he's. It's not. There, there's no way he doesn't realize. It's just that look, people don't. Understandably, people don't particularly enjoy losing their jobs, and no. Fletcher knows that he is very much on the hot seat. And if he were to go, I bet on some level he wishes that he could go out there and say what Tortorella said and basically be like, we're fucked. We need to rebuild. But he can't because if he does, they will fire him the next day. Is there some reason? There's no, there's no, like, that's the thing is there's no way to preserve it. Because if he says they're good and they're bad, like, there's, there's absolutely no, I, I, I just, it's just circular. It's just circular yeah. bullshit that we can't actually put logic to because there's they're they're just bad, and that's this, all there is to. This it. goes back to kind of what I was saying, where it's like there's not really much left to talk about. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm very much in my my writing. I'm kind of turning my focus to features because at least they could be interesting. Because like writing about the day to day of this team, like how many angles can you find? Like, oh, they played pretty well and they lost again because their best scorer is 
a, at best a second line player on a good team. And they're paying four defensemen $24 million, over $24 million combined to all be not very good. So what you're saying it's, is that we need to pivot to our interviewing players from the 2010 Cup run version of this podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we'll find stuff to talk about. It's just like, we always do. It's, it's we all, all going to be the same. Because, yeah. like, unless they go on a run or unless they go on another 10-game losing streak, which, like, hell, they might. They've lost, they've, they've lost 14 out of the last 16 games, I think. Or is it now 15 out of 17? Sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's real bad. Like but it's it's truly, like, the thing I'm yelling about currently, while it's new quotes, it's the exact same thing as it's a retool, Charlie. Well, mm-hmm. no, it isn't, because you retooled nothing. There are no new tools. You got Tony D'Angelo and a coach and a fighter. Like, you didn't <laughs> retool. <laughs> like, what, what, what are we talking about here? But it's the exact same thing. It's just this disconnect from reality and hopefully a disconnect from the truth more than reality. But again, it doesn't matter because he's not going to hopefully be the guy making decisions at the trade deadline and certainly after that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that is kind of... and like. I don't root against the Flyers. You know, number one, like, I know these guys. I don't particularly enjoy seeing people I know and for the most part like, you know, being miserable and just getting their faces kicked in every night. Like, that's not fun to me. Number two, I generally speaking, as much as I shit on them, I generally speaking like Flyers fans. I don't like them to be miserable either. That said, there is an, there is an element of, like, I feel... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, I, I just feel validated because there <laughs> were people in the organization and there were people not in the organization but near the organization that really, truly thought that all the Flyers needed to do was get more competitive players and change their mindset and change their attitude, and then suddenly they'd be a good team which plays into the whole, let's get Tony D'Angelo because he's fiery. Let's get Delorier because he'll back up our, our team and he'll start fights and shit. And let's get Tortorella <laughs> because he's like the epitome of the hard-to-play-against coach. And the funny thing is, is that they are more competitive. They do very obviously seem to care more and they play more unified. And guess what? They still suck because they just don't have enough talent. Because in the end, yes, having those things can make you less embarrassing, but it's not going to make you good because to be good, you have to have a lot of good players and the Flyers have very few. It's it's truly like, did they not think they had to score? They think these players are good. We've said this a thousand times. Like you can't. Like there's no gaslighting it. They just think they're good. I know. I know. We can't. We can't. We can't do it over and over. I I don't think it's that necessarily. It's not like they think these. Like it's not like if you put them on a lie detector, they would say like, no, we think that Kevin Hayes is a one C and Travis Konechny is a hundred point player. Like they know that. I think what it part part of it is is just this idea that a lot of the people do think and we're hoping that this was going to be one of those, like, better-than-the-sum-of-their-parts kind of teams where, like, you have a bunch of guys that are ready to run through a wall for each other and they play real well as a group 
and therefore they actually are in contention because man they're all buddies and they all love each other and you know this is like the fucking miracle on ice team again <laughs> and john tortorella is going to be herb brooks like I, but i'm serious like that was no, the, i know like, that I, I was know the hope are. that was the hope and in reality like look the 1980 olympic team was great but like that was a small sample size and they got outshot by the russians like 50 to 10 like in an 82 game season, they ain't winning the cup. I got news for you. It was it was the strategy for the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, you know? and it was like, well, if we there was something to like, well, maybe they can just be that team that rides the PDO wave all year. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have guys who shoot at a high percentage. Like if the Washington if the Washington Capitals ride a PDO wave, you're like, yeah, that makes fucking sense. They have a 60 goal score, like. But since you have Travis Konechny as by far your best player, other than maybe the goalie, it's not going to happen. But again, we all know this. It's just very frustrating to see that literally anyone I've ever met who's watched hockey for 10 minutes can figure this out. And the people that run the organization are like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm not well, saying I could do it better, but I could do it not worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I truly don't know if I could put together a good playoff team, but I could put together a team at least as good as this. It would be better than this one. They'd fight more. Exactly. Would they? Because they're, they're already fighting more than any other they're, team in hockey. They're lagging behind on the fights per 60, though. I mean, fair, fair. No, I'd, I'd slip really the money under the, the table like that gangster in the Netflix documentary to fight even more. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there was a funny thing that happened today. I don't even know if this is a real topic, but it, what the fuck do you want us to talk about? This is one of the worst teams ever. Uh, <laughs> there's a funny bad. thing. That's actually the problem. No, that's problem one of the problems is they aren't better. that bad. Yeah. Um, a funny thing that happened today was. Eli Tolvanen was put on waivers the other day by Nashville. He is claimed by Seattle, uh, reuniting him with the coach he never actually had in Dave Haxtall. <laughs> but you will all remember the 2017 draft, especially if you're at our draft party, uh, in which everyone was just like, oh, Flyers have him. Like, his name came up on the it graphic. Did. It was on the screen. <laughs> this, yep. It wasn't something we imagined. I had quite a bit to drink that night, but other people <laughs> have, have confirmed it. And it happened. Uh, and then, of course, the Flyers select Morgan Frost, and we've all, you know, on some level, bemoaned it since that draft day. And, you know, Tolvanen doesn't really... Uh, Tolvanen doesn't really, like, turn out, so it doesn't matter. But it's funny that he's waived and claimed on waivers in the same time period that Morgan Frost has a four-point game. And, uh, and Morgan Frost is one of the few interesting guys, at least a guy worth keeping an eye on this season now. In the first 27 games of the year, he had three assists. And against Arizona, one of the worst teams ever assembled, he had three assists. He also Turn scored Turning it on, baby. Yeah, maybe it was just an awesome night because everyone has an awesome night now and then. You are in the NHL. But is there maybe, you know, people have been saying it looks like he's starting to turn a corner and then we finally saw the production. Do you think maybe from here, Morgan Frost is a guy who can be a part of something. I know, Kelly. I know. I'm trying. I, I, uh, I really want him to be, but I feel like there's been so many times where he's had a multi-point night and I've been like, this is it. Have there Here been? Here we go. 
He, I, I feel mean, like he only scored like he'll get like two goals in a night and then doesn't score had, again for forty games. Like that's he what had, he does. He had two in the opener. Yeah, and then like nothing <laughs> until and last nothing, night. Nothing yeah. since then, basically. That's he's what I got. Mean. Like that seems to be how he does it. He's got ten points on the year. What? Uh, four, six of them are in the opener and in the most recent game against Arizona. Right. Like I, I, I think the only thing you can do at this point is be skeptical. But I do agree with Bill in that he's one of the only players on this team right now who is legitimately intriguing. In terms of that. what it what he could and yeah, I don't think the chances are super high, but like it's at least possible. Like he's intriguing the same way that like Owen Tip is intriguing, that Noah yeah. Case is intriguing, that now Cam York is intriguing, and I mean not he's not on the same plane as like you know guys like Hart and Kadechny and Farabee. We're like we know they're NHL players, we just don't know how good they are or how good they will ultimately be. Like these are the guys we're like. They're still trying to prove they are NHL players at all. So having a four-point night, it helps. Do I think that Morgan Frost is going to now like be a point-per-game guy the rest of the year? No. But like it would be damn cool if he was. Did I call him Boyd Kane last week? Yeah. I think yeah, I did. Mike did. Mike it. You did. Uh, well, he's just it. he's a guy who I have said, I, I've honestly I've had the same thought about. Uh, Travis Sanheim, and it's something you guys touched on last week, that no, you know, his analytics this year, not good, but that's overall been his thing. But to justify his place in the lineup to me, Sanheim has always needed to actually produce some fucking points. Uh, and it's difficult when you don't get power play time. He did have the one year with, I think, 37 points. Uh, but for the most part, the actual tangible offensive production hasn't been there. When I keep hearing, oh, Morgan Frost, he's playing better. He's made some plays. Okay, but they never he never scores, ever. Yeah, dude's got to uh, score. Yeah. Now maybe or, there's a chance, even if he's just uh, a guy who can only do that, like be on a second power play, play some sort of role, because the rest of his game's never going to be like, anything to write home about if he can somehow produce some offense he could have a role in the nhl even if it's not here i don't care at this point just i've watched this guy long enough i want to know what the hell he's gonna be i mean i do think there is a there is the possibility of a third line center there he just keeps not doing it yeah i guess i i guess it's there like you do see the skill sometimes it's just that to me, like what I see in Morgan Frost now, it's it's honestly exactly what Kelly said last week, where he's like the guy who does real well well in the AHL and gets called up and is fine. Like he can hang for a few games and maybe he'll score a goal here and there. But like, because I mean, what is Morgan Frost now? He's pretty clearly not a play driver. He's pretty clearly not a defensive specialist. He's never going to be. Maybe he could develop into, like, a slightly positive guy by advanced stats. But, like, he's never going to be a Couturier. Like, it's just never, he's never going to be that. <laughs> no. And he's not a defensive specialist either, so he's never going to be a fourth liner. So his path is basically to be a scorer. And he's a scorer who doesn't score enough. So unless he starts scoring, it's yeah. kind of like, again, it goes back to the office space thing, like, what would you say that you do here? You got to hope he starts scoring. And, like, 
hey, this is the perfect it's... year to find out. And one thing that could help him, in all honesty, I do think this has helped him over the last couple of games. I think the return of JVR helps him because, you know, we, we talked in the That's early season, point. like, we, he needs to play with, with skill players. And I do agree with that. Like, why were they playing him on the fourth line? The fact of the matter is that for most of this year, the Flyers didn't have any skill players because there was like a month where anybody remotely resembling a skill player was injured, at least up front. So now, you know, you put him with a goal scorer in JBR. Maybe they have some chemistry. Maybe now you can, you can give him the usage that at least gives him a fair shake. Now, I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to matter that much in the long term, but at least you feel like you're giving him more of a fair shake than you did when he was on lines with, like, DeLaurier or whatever, or McEwen. No, I think that's a good point, is at least now you can say you tried. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. before it was like, I don't know, maybe he does suck, but we'll see, like, or maybe we won't, because he'll just be on the fourth line. At least now it's like, if he doesn't make it, it's on him. Yeah. And they have had trouble kind of getting him that consistent ice time with guys who belong in the league, which is, you know, Yeah, and, and, and that's not... Uh, they only have so the, many. That's the thing. They, they only have, have so that. many. Yeah. yeah, that's by design, uh, unfortunately. But, hey, uh, it's Chuck Fletcher's world. We're all just living in it, as, uh, <laughs> as Kelly titled the show last week. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to talk about this Tony D'Angelo scratch so funny uh, to me personally man i, I i'll tell you <laughs> obviously we can all get our jokes off and there is a contingent that will enjoy dunking on him and honestly it's not even so much i mean it is about him but his ardent defenders even more than that yes i will say however I have enjoyed, for the most part, watching him play hockey. Maybe it's just the fact that they only have so many guys who are good at hockey. Uh, But I like the way he plays. I like when there's a scrum in front of the net, he'll just get in anyone's face. I like that he can move the puck a little bit. Uh, He's a good hockey player. Is he a good defenseman? No. But he's a good hockey player. Yeah, I have for the most part, enjoyed watching him play hockey as well. Like, if you divorce who he is from what he does on the ice, like, he's an entertaining kind of hockey player. Um, But his defense over the last couple of weeks specifically has been, like, really, really bad. And when I... Like, my thought process making fun of Tony D'Angelo being scratched really didn't have anything to do with Tony D'Angelo. It had to do with the fact that Chuck Fletcher made it a priority to go out and get this guy and give him a bunch of money. And now he's getting scratched so that Cam York, who's been in the AHL all year, can get some minutes. Like, that's it's hilarious to me. It is truly funny that the only actually good NHL player that they attempted to acquire yeah. for this rebuild is uh, so bad defensively that he just can't play. Now, I will say, and you guys touched on this, um, blaming Tony D'Angelo for for being bad at defense, like it's like the Chris jo- it's like the Chris Rock joke. No, that Tiger went Tiger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
It's it ain't his fucking job yeah. to do that. It's like being on a line with Danny Briere. No, no, no. You do the checking. He'll do the putting the puck in the net thing. You know, it's someone else's job to do that. Now you have to have a baseline level of competence. But did you think what what in his resume made you think he was going to be good at that thing that he's never been good at? I also don't even know if it's so much that, like, he's being punished for being bad at defense. I really just think that, like, Tortorella is going to scratch every single good player on this team at some point this season just because scratching the bad ones doesn't do anything. And we discussed that when he benched uh, Hayes and Konechny. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole team plays like shit, but you're the good ones. You're the ones who have to not play like shit if we have any chance. Uh, it's also, I hope he's kind of just singling out Fletcher's guys. You know, as, like, I, if, if I'm going to watch <laughs> I, a Flyers I game. I don't think that's it, but I do think No, that, but we like, can pretend. Well, like, I think fans want to believe that, so yeah. like, fine. No, I, if that makes you guys happy, then go for yeah. it. <laughs> no, it, it, it very much makes me happy. As somebody who, if I'm going to sit down and watch this horrendous team play, I'd prefer Tony D'Angelo be on the ice because there's only like only so many things happen, you know. And he's someone who makes things happen sometimes. Uh, but I think I it think the is thing funny. That, the thing that annoys me about Tony D'Angelo on the ice is that, and and I, I've had this back and forth with some people in the press box. What annoys me about him on the ice is that, like, he is bad defensively. He's real bad mm-hmm. defensively, and he's always been real bad defensively. And I do agree with you, Bill. I think he's, on the whole, he's a good hockey player because he provides enough offensively. He does move the puck. He does have skills. He is a guy who should be in the NHL and should play a role, could play a role, on a good team's defense core. Probably wouldn't be one of, their top, one of their top three defensemen, like, in terms of importance, but he could be a good defenseman on a good team. The thing that irritates me is that he is legitimately really bad defensively because he just kind of chases players down. He gets out of structure. But he's bad defensively in ways that, like, it's something that over the years has gotten more and more on my last nerve about the way hockey people view the game. It's like, you're allowed to be bad defensively in some ways, but not allowed to be bad defensively in others. And I will make this point, like, it's the difference between Tony D'Angelo and Shane Gossesbear. Shane Gossesbear was not good defensively, but he was bad defensively in the ways that hockey people hate it. When he got pushed around, so he got, he's he a He got bitch. pushed around, yeah. he would sometimes shy away from hits, like, though he, he wasn't good in front of the net. Like, and that would just, like, stick at hockey guys, and they fucking hated him. Tony D'Angelo is just as bad defensively as Shane Gosper, and always has been by the numbers. But because he's more fiery, and because he gets in scrums, and because his defensive plays are because he took himself out of position by trying real hard, not by just getting out-muscled, that's better than being bad defensively because you're just small. And, and that it, and, and it okay. annoys me because the results are the same, but like it's more acceptable to be bad defensively the way D'Angelo is. And it's the same philosophy that gets us people in hockey convinced that Rasmus Alain is good at defense. Yep. Because he does all the hockey guy things that make you think he's good at defense, but no, he actually stinks at it. And D'Angelo's kind of like D'Angelo is the acceptable offensive defenseman because 
he doesn't stink at defense in the ways that really piss off the people who make hockey decisions. But he does stink at defense, and I notice those things when I watch, and I it like it's not that I'm mad at D'Angelo, it's that I'm mad that hockey people don't notice it. And that's yes. one of the reasons why I like I like Torts and his view of the game because he does seem to notice it. Like he is an old school hockey guy, but he gets it. He gets that like Risto isn't a good defensive defenseman. He gets that D'Angelo actually is real bad defensively, even though he's a, a fiery blood and guts type of guy that like the hockey men think is great because he's so intense and shit. Well, because Tortorella is a good X's and O's coach. And the yeah. shit you're saying Tony D'Angelo is bad at, it's legitimately just not doing, you're not doing what I told you yeah, to do. Exactly. Like, you will have some baseline competence on defense if you just stand where I tell you to stand and not chase <laughs> that guy into the opposite fucking corner. Like, and that's just that thing. So while, you know, the hockey men analysts like him uh, because of that attitude, a true coach, John Tortorella, who is more progressive than he gets credit for. I agree with you. Looks, for at, sure. it, looks at it and goes like, where, where the fuck are you going, dude? Like, what, <laughs> what, what can he do? Like, that's something I always, like, I would chase somebody in high school. And they'd be like, what can he do with the puck over there? And why couldn't your teammate who's playing that side of the ice go get him? Like, and that's some of the shit that you see sometimes where he's just chasing guys. And it's it can be frustrating, absolutely. It, it, but you put him on, as he was last year, Carolina, who's just never on defense because they're the best possession team in the league, and yeah. suddenly it's not a problem because they're never on defense. Yeah. It's, it's someone partners. else's problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it just goes back to uh, the team being bad. All roads lead to. Well, it's, exactly it's, truly... what, it's exactly what me and Kelly talked about last week and that yeah. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo does have a fit on a good team it's just mm -hmm. that's not this team so on this team it's a weird fit which is what we were saying from the minute they acquired it yeah um should we break and then talk yeah, about cam let's, york let's do right. yeah let's do it we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna talk about the guy who's replacing uh the scratched tony d'angelo <laughs> the recently recalled yam cork so hang out through this commercial and then we'll talk about that on the other side all right, fam, we are back, as is Cam York, uh, the much-heralded first-round pick defenseman. Uh, one of Was that Chuck's first or second draft? His very first pick. His very first pick, uh, selected he over... Disappointed us all. We should have known at that moment. Selected over <laughs> gifted goal scorer uh, Cole Caulfield. That yeah. did happen. <laughs> and... We should have known. Well, that's... And Cole, just Cole... Go, going back for a second, I wasn't able to note this. Like, you know, when... Hextall picked Morgan Frost, and we all thought it was Ely Tolvanen. We were all like, oh, man, that, we really wanted that goal score. In retrospect, like, he should have just picked Jason Robertson. <laughs> yeah. Really no. Why did round. you have to say That would have been great. They should have just done nice. everything the opposite of what they did for 10 years, and they'd be fucking awesome. Oh, but man. here we are. 12 cups. Uh, so York is back, and it's good because... As we said, with uh, as we said when we were talking about Morgan Frost, there's only so many guys who might potentially be part of a a solution, even if they're not the difference maker. They're actually here when things aren't this bleak. Like if you could, I wish we had the video. If you could see the look on Charlie's face right now, this is a defeated <laughs> man. 
this he is this is the fact that he's stuck with the show through the last what like 30 minutes and not just said i'm out of here is is really a testament to uh to to his will and determination so thumbs up there charlie for covering this team day to day uh but cam york has now played two games this year he's playing 20 minutes a night Nothing else. He's looked good. Yeah. yeah. I'm, he's fine. I, he, he, we, we knew he belonged here from the... It's another yes. one of those, like, good, He yeah, he's an NHL player. We knew that last year. Yeah, sure. It was, it was you know, just to, like, talk about the positive things. It was yeah. nice to see. I was kind of worried that when he came up, Tortorella, who clearly had some kind of grudge against him from training camp. Um, I mean, not grudge. Grudge is probably too strong of a word, but whatever. Um, I was kind of worried that he would just be like buried on the third line and like limited usage and it would be like a, a useless experiment to even bring him up. But he threw him right in there, gave him a bunch of time, put him on the power play, like and he looked he looked as good as he did last year. So yay. Yeah, I, I don't think that Torts had a grudge against I said Tort- it was too strong. I well I think I I mean I've had this theory for a while. I think what happened number one, York did not have a good camp. And we talked about that on the show. Yeah. That like yes. when you're when you're having a bad camp and you're playing like the shit, accountability thing, the accountability thing matters. And it's like, you know, if he would have stayed up with the team, he would have stayed up with the team because his name's Cam York, not because he actually earned it. So I get why they said it now. That said, I also think an element of this was the fact that I have heard from multiple people that Ian LaPariere is not the biggest Cam York fan. And I got the sense in regular training stupid. camp, regular training camp that like. Torts coming in depended a lot on the things he heard from people in the organization to prepare him for the kids that he had never seen. And my guess is that his, like, he was not viewing Cam York with rose-colored glasses going into camp. He was probably viewing him with the opposite because Ian LaPerriere probably told him a lot of things about all the things he's frustrated with with Cam York. So then when Torch started seeing those things, it was, it was like, oh, I get it. That's why this guy isn't as good as, as Chuck thinks he is because of all these things. And it kind of became like a confirmation bias type thing. But I don't get the sense that Torch is the kind of guy that he really holds grudges. And if you come up and you're different, he's not going to be like, well, I hated you two months ago, so I don't like you now. Like, I need a guy who can make a play, and you can actually make a play, so please stay here. I mean, at this point, with the level of talent, which we've hammered home plenty uh, already, but, like, if if Cam York came up and, and punched John Tortorella's kid, he'd probably be like, well, he can fucking complete a pass, so, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess he's got to stay. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it, it's just absolutely freaking ridiculous that it took this long like that was my that's kind of where my thought process was like again not a grudge but like that torch was kind of holding on to the bad feelings that he had about him in training camp because i think that he could have been called yeah but but torch doesn't make the call-ups you don't think that he has some like not really no, I, I no, I like I need another. I need the yeah, defenseman. I mean, that's good. Yeah, but like they already had Zamula up, and I think that the call ups are largely driven by the opinion of the AHL staff and Chuck Fletcher. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that's good because they're very smart. 
Well, I mean, it's not like Torts <laughs> is watching Cam York every day in the no, NHL. No, uh, yeah, yeah. No, but, you know. What's going to drive him to advocate for a kid he's never, he barely knows? I mean, maybe can't not be so worse. much that. I was just going to say that, like, maybe the, the six that he's got, like, maybe the suggestion, like, hey, could someone else be better than one of these guys? Because these guys aren't good. Could well, we I get think, a different one, maybe? I think his thing was like, well, I'm trying to figure out a way to to, to integrate Zamul in here. He's like the kid defenseman that I'm working with right now. So now they just replace Zamola with York, and now Cam's the kid defenseman he's working with right now. And I, I hope he gets a shot. You know, he got to play 24 minutes in the uh, the overtime loss to Arizona. He was a plus three in the game for whatever's that for whatever that that is worth. And it does seem like we've heard countless stories about Tortorella changing his opinion on players. You know, based on what they come up and show to him, and uh, you know their acceptance of his message, even if they weren't particularly inclined to it at the beginning, or if there was some sort of underlying backstory or whatever, we know that I think, again, Tortorella is a more progressive guy than, than he gets credit for. And he's able to move past these things and realize, yeah, Cam York, even if, uh, even if he's not, you know, maybe worth a first round pick, he's probably one of my best six. And, and he know? might, Cam York very well could end up being worth a first round pick. He's just probably oh, sure. not, yeah. he probably wasn't the best player they could have taken at that selection spot. But like, no. he looks to me like a, like he's going to be a decent second pair defenseman at least. I don't see probably. star level potential there, but I think he could be like a three or a four. This team loves the middle lines, man. They do, don't if they? Anybody, if anybody God, they just really do. cared so much about the second and third line and the second and third defense pairs, these guys, it's it's truly, it's all they have. It's, well, it's I mean, a team who aren't quite good enough. Granted, in part, that's just because, like, they, when you take a guy like Ivan Provorov, you think he's going to be a number one defenseman. He yes, just isn't. certainly. Like, they, yeah. they went with a high upside swing in Travis Sanheim, and you're hoping he's a top pair defenseman. He's just not. Travis Konechny probably isn't a top-line forward, even though he's scoring a lot this year because, like, somebody has to. Like, they do try. It's just when they try, those guys become good players and not great players. You're hoping that Cutter Gauthier can break that streak, but who the hell knows? I mean, at a certain point, don't the odds favor it? I know it's like uh, it's like roulette or a coin flip. Like, it's all 50 you know, just because they failed in the last five draft picks doesn't mean the next one will hit. But at a certain point, doesn't it have to come up black once? You would think, like, right? You, you would. Know? But, I mean, then doesn't again, it just have to come these through? are the Flyers, and <sighs> they're just, like, I, I, I'm starting to come to the conclusion that, like, they're just going to need, like, the only way they're going to break out of this, and I'm not, by this I don't mean, like, this run of bad play, but I mean, like, this just, like, malaise of like general malaise that's the exact word i was gonna use just this whole thing of like everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong like the only way they're gonna break out of it is if they just like get connor bedard they they need to get they need to be like a guy who's just like it's like the calvin johnson for the detroit lions like they could fuck up on every pick but like you're not gonna fuck up on this like Six foot five, two hundred forty dude who runs four uh, a four three five forty. Like even the Lions can't screw that up. Like the Flyers are going to need something like that to sort of like change the mojo around this whole thing, and that's the only thing that's going to do it. And mm. and to your point there, you know the Lions had used first round picks on receivers like three years in a row before that. They all sucked, uh, and then they got they got 
Megatron. So anything's possible, even yeah. for the Lions. Even, even though the guy the just said, "I'm fucking out of here" because they're horrible, just like Barry Sanders. Uh, <laughs> but he still still went to the Hall of Fame. Uh, is there? You know, I'm like just trying to come up with something to talk about with this team that's new because even the things that are new speak to an issue we've been talking about for a long, long time. It's just the next chapter in the exact same goddamn book. And I'm like, I'm just cruising the Inquirer. And we've talked about how I enjoy the Inquirer's coverage. It's one of my only two subscriptions, the Athletic and the Inquirer. Well, my only subscriptions that aren't wrestling related. Uh, (laughs) The Athletic and the Inquirer. And... It's a Gianna article. Overtime problems will crush Flyers' hopes of being competitive if they're not fixed. I got a lot of problems with this OT And it's like, you know what? They can't be fixed because in overtime it's three-on-three, which relies on what? Really good players, which they don't have. And Tortorella (laughs) straight up said that. Like, he he said it when they were, like, completely injured and they had no one. But he, I think it was in the... uh, the the overtime game they lost to Washington when when Ovechkin scored and he was basically like look like like our the, the talent disparity really shows up in three on three like I don't know what else to tell you and he was right I mean he's not wrong however he's making choices like my thing with the Flyers getting to overtime and I feel like this is something that Torts should understand like you might as well just go balls out trying to win because. Losing is probably the best thing that you can do. You've already they should put three forwards out, right? That's what I'm saying. The two defensemen, one forward thing is infuriating. And then I think after the Arizona game, he was like, "Yeah, we got to figure out what's going on with this overtime. We got to fix the problem." Why are you putting Rasmus Ristolainen out on a three-on-three overtime? Like, you know what's going to happen there. You do. So, like, stop trying to not lose a game in overtime. It doesn't fucking matter if we lose. Just like, and like that's, no balls out if, and try to win. Like you have, you know what you have no chance in? A shootout. <laughs> like None. if you're just trying to like get through it and hope like, no, it's not a coin flip. I'm sorry. It isn't. Not, not for this, this team. Yeah. Not for this. <laughs> no, even <ma'am>. with Carter <laughs> Hart, it's no. not. It, like you're gonna lose that. So why not try to get yeah. a breakaway somehow? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just throw out three forwards, the best players that you've got rotate the six of them and see what the fuck happens. Yeah, but the thing is, they like when they were going two fours, and I don't think there's a solution here, but like when mm. they were going two fours, one defense. No, there's no solution. They just never had the puck. Like they literally would go the entire overtime and they wouldn't touch the fucking puck. Now, the pro- now they actually have the puck. They're actually possessing it. They're controlling it. It's just they can't score because their defensemen aren't good enough. Like, and then you have Rasmus have dumping it in on a five yeah. on th- or a three on three, which is like just like. Well, I mean, you, you can't you can't change him. You can't change no. Rasmus. He is what he is. Uh, but like, why doesn't he just skate with it more? Yes, he's pretty good when he skates with it. Like he's not not like I'm not saying he's Pavel Bure out there, but like he's pretty decent of a compared to he's got tools compared to him passing or playing defense, or <laughs> anything else that he does. When the Scaring puck is on, hockey players. Yeah, when, when the puck is on his stick, and he's moving forward with it, it's not horrible. I mean, what it boils down to, and like, there's no yeah, way for, it doesn't It doesn't well, there's, matter. There's no way for me to I say know. this without it coming off as mean, because I'll be clear, 
I am not making a evaluation of Rasmus Ristolainen's actual intelligence, but his hockey IQ isn't good. Like, he no, doesn't make good decisions, and that's why. He does have the tools to be better, but he doesn't have the hockey IQ and the decision-making ability on the ice to take full advantage of those tools, and that's always been the problem. I'm sure he got hurt by playing for the Sabres, and I'm sure they taught him some real bad habits, and maybe had he been drafted by the Lightning, he would have turned into a real solid second-pair defenseman. But he never would have lived up to his tools because he just doesn't make enough good decisions on the ice. You would have had to, like, hardwire him in the exact right way to make, like, the least bad decisions to fully take advantage of what he is. And they didn't do that. The team he was on didn't do that for seven years. And now he is what he is. And what he is is a third-pair defenseman. Yep. So, uh, what's everyone getting Steph for a wedding? Oh, God. I don't fucking know. This is the only thing I wanted to talk about, and Steph bailed on the show. She's sick, apparently. I don't mean apparently sarcastically. I just mean that's what she said, and it's a filler word for me. Um, She's ill, uh, and that's not cool. But it's not good at all. This is the only thing I wanted to talk about on the show. I wanted I wanted goddamn details. I, I'm like I'm like not plugged in for a few days, and next thing I know, uh, my broadcast partner in crime is engaged. Well, I mean, I don't know. They're not like officially engaged, but all right, like, whatever. I mean, in in all but ring, I would say it kind of seems like it. They She's just, making tweets about wedding planning, so things have moved fast. Yeah, that though. I feel I feel as if I'm okay bringing it up because it was on Twitter. Yeah. I wouldn't just do Not it so. out of the blue if it was something like only Kelly knew about. But mm-hmm. since it was on Twitter, I feel like it's fair game. It is Flyers Twitter. And what the fuck? Are we going to talk about the team more? You really want more of that? Everyone out there listening? Is this enjoyable to you? Yeah. <laughs> if you get 100 of your friends to subscribe to this podcast, you get an invitation to Steph Driver's wedding. Don't if you get 100 of your friends to subscribe to this, you will be institutionalized. <laughs> sure (laughs) oh charlie's so fucking dumb i know he's so over it it's i don't blame you bud i i I really this team is it's it's horrible it's and our worst nightmare our worst nightmare is coming true yeah is that they're gonna be mediocre you knew it was gonna happen because john tortorell is a good coach yeah but maybe just maybe you know in in 2017 i thought because the Flyers didn't tank at the end, the hockey gods were rewarding them with the second overall pick. No, they were just laughing. They found an even worse way to torture Flyers fans. That's what sure actually did. was going on. But just like with the Eagles, it eventually worked out with a savior you didn't see coming in Jalen Hurts. Maybe our Jalen Hurts is right around the corner. Oh, oh, we don't have him yet. He's not here. I don't know. Bobby Brank or me or you. I don't know. I'm just Whoa. trying it's to... You. Guess what? Guess what? It's you. It's the friends we made along the way who are unsubscribing rapidly. No, this, no. Everyone needs to, listen, we have a fucking job to do. The team can be shit, but we're not going to be shitty. No, we won't. Everyone get the fuck together. I've enjoyed this this show. It's fairly entertaining to me. I I, I will throw this in here because we've been discussing about how uh, the, um, Basically how, like, this draft is a three-player draft and the Flyers are going to end up picking fourth. Or they're going to pick third. They're going to pick the Russian. He's never going to come over. Never going to come over, like, yep. Putin's just going to keep declaring war on, on countries because he's an asshole. Um, on just the Flyers specifically. <laughs> w- what I will say is that I am starting to dive into draft research. And 
Leo Carlson, the Swede, he's pretty damn good too. So, ooh, I like might, Leo Carlson. Might be a four-player draft. All right, all right, all right, all right. It's getting better. Hey, listen now. I know it's like he turned out to be a generational star, and Bobby Clark tried to say he knew all along, but nobody, and I mean nobody, thought Kale McCarr at four was going to be like the best player in the league. Listen. Shit. Dumb shit happens. It's hockey. This is this is my it's it's my catchphrase at this point. And any they could just get lucky. It happens. I wish no ill will on this child. But what if Connor Bedard gets mono? <laughs> like Couturier. It, exactly. It happen. As long he gets as it's mono, not an abdominal he falls injury. to the Flyers at eight. <laughs> he can get mono, just no forever. abdominal injuries, please. No injuries, yeah, just no mono. Injuries. Multi-layered. Nothing the, between the, the nipples and The regular mono, not the serious hospital mono. Like, yeah. the mono you get for making out with too many people at the college party. Like, that kind of mono. The kind Charlie always had. Right. Charlie's yeah. probably got it right now. That is, that is so <laughs> untrue. <laughs> Listen, uh, we know what happens with the smart kids. Yeah. The craziest ones. Y'all are freaks. <laughs> I mean, not me. P- perhaps there were others, but not me. I lived next to that campus for a while. Did you really? I didn't, you next to I didn't go to Drexel either. I just lived there. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had fun. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I drank a lot. <laughs> but I, I can't say I was, like, you know, a ladies' man. <laughs> right, do we... Is there... Are we really calling it? Did we not make an hour? 52. Wow. We're fucking this slacking. Is, is this a first for us? Like, we did... We did shows during a pandemic. Next week, we're all watching a movie. Charlie's picking it. We're going to talk about it for an hour. All right. This is a, this is a re- rebuttal. Sh- this is like a regroup show for us. This is, a, this is an aggressive retool show for us. We have to, we have to get back on the horse and really... I mean, in fairness, we, we really are down. down. We're down a member. So, like, that, you know, that certainly plays into the... And plus, as I said, I kicked, I kicked the show off with... This idea of, like, what is there even to talk about? Maybe it's, the Flyers could do us a solid and do something interesting. It's, anyway. You know how we always you know how we always stick up for the social media team? Like, the social media team can't tweet, we got Johnny Goudreau if Chuck Fletcher didn't sign Johnny Goudreau. We can't talk about an interesting hockey team if they're wildly fucking uninteresting. <laughs> Star Wars night looked fun, eh? Yeah, it did. Sure. Star Wars <laughs> Night's always fun. I appreciate. It. All right, I guess we're we're, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, we will continue to bring you the cutting edge content that you have come to know and love from BSH Radio over the years. Now, listen, I think this was a lot more fun than than we're letting on because we're we are, as always. The uh, am I using conduit here correctly, uh, Mister Ivy League? We are the conduit to the. Yes. We are the representative of the fans. Everybody, you are using feels it the. I had to yeah. wait and see like what the context was before I gave you the endorsement. But yeah, you yeah, used I was, it correctly. I was going to start talking about condors and like just totally Those go off. As long as you didn't say wanna, condom, we're yeah. good. Yeah, we want to wrap it up. Uh, speaking of condoms, um, oh God. <laughs> we. That's why you're a pro, Bill. This is this is what I do, baby. Uh, no, like everyone feels the way we feel about this team. Yeah, it's not like we're out here, like, ignoring them. No, this is exactly who they are, and this is the conversation about them. They're just fucking 
bad. Yeah, they try harder. That's why I, I kind of was on Tortorella's side when he was like, that's a dumb question. Uh, maybe he doesn't need to say that. Maybe there's better ways to go about it. But, you know, the effort isn't an issue. It's the fact that they just suck. Like, that is the issue. And he can't say that. He's he's alluded to it. You know, he said he's it once. He's basically, well, yeah, he did say on the in the in-game interview, we suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, he did like, say that. He, oh, God, he did actually say that. those words, so yeah. He's but not. like, he can't just come he out sucks. after the game and be like, what do you want? We're supposed to lose. Like, every team except Anaheim basically is better than us. <laughs> you know, he can't say this, especially on a nightly basis. So he's just got to It's just, it, it's wild to me. It is truly wild to me that like, he is probably getting the most out of the Flyers, like as, as much as any coach probably could. Yes. Yeah, and they're still the sixth worst team in hockey. <sighs> Take the foot off the gas, John. Go on vacation. For Go me. on vacation. Go away for the Disney on Ice trip. I Pet mean, the dogs. Can they get the negative horses. points? Can yeah. they like somehow lose points in the standings? If he Just goes away for out. Disney on on ice, it's over. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, tweet at Steph. Ask her, what the hell's going on? No, uh, follow us. Follow us uh, wherever you find podcasts. Just search Broad Street Hockey and boom, content, baby. Uh, so make sure you do that. Uh, my name's Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly. Try to have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about Yeah!